guys. Welcome back. I'm Jacqueline. And it's Alana. Here's another episode of Black and Yellow for you guys. Woohoo! <laughs> Glad to have you guys back. Happy fall. Happy by the way. fall officially. Yeah. Even though it's still like 80 degrees. It's still warm. And the sun is still out. It is. We are in and California. So We're spoiled. It's still summer. But it's fall. Yeah. <laughs> well, Technically, it is fall. Well, we have two seasons here. Uh, summer <laughs> right. and... Cold. Cold. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of cold. Our leaves don't change, which no, bums me out. The, the trees get bald, and that's it. Right. Like, it's like a quick change. Like, it's like, oh, yellow, orange, brown, and then it's like... But but it happens in like a week, I feel like. Yeah. And then and then the trees are all bald and it's still kinda cold, but then our Christmases or Thanksgiving are still sometimes like eighty degrees. I love that you're personifying trees as bald. Like <laughs> like they're men who have gotten old and lost all of their hair. I I've, love it. I've always said all of the trees bald. <laughs> like <laughs> I guess I go with bear, but bald uh, works. I like it. I like it. I just it. imagine like leaves as maybe like their hair and then like they lose it all so that they're bald. No, it makes <laughs> total sense. Funny. I will actually never look at a tr- at a leafless tree the same way again. <laughs> okay, there you go. It'll no longer be bear. It'll just be bald. Bald trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are a listener and you're on the East Coast, enjoy the seasons. Oh, enjoy the leaves changing. Yes. You guys got a good out there. Right. We're jealous. We don't have that. So we're living vicariously through you. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) So today's episode is actually uh, in thanks to a listener. We got a listener suggested submission from Panda Cutie Nom Nom Nom. I actually really like saying that. I know. Say it 10 times. (laughs) Cutie panda nom nom nom. I love it. So thank you to you. This episode is for you. And he writes, hi, Alana and Jacqueline. Thanks for doing a podcast on the alt-right Asian fetish. As an Asian male, I have a lot of opinions on this topic. It's too much to write in a single DM, but it would be interesting if you two did an episode on internalized racism and white worship in the Asian community. Mm-hmm. So we've already sort of done internalized racism. We did. That was a couple episodes ago. Uh, so check that out if you're interested in internalized racism or intrapersonal racism. We we cover the grounds on that. However, we actually, I think we've touched upon the subject a couple times about how white people, I mean, how Asian people view white people or how they want to be associated with white people. But I don't think we've actually dove in no. and really talked about where it comes from, how it started, um, you know, where it was most prominent and then where it's headed to now. Right. Exactly. That's essentially um, the, the basis that we're covering. For sure. And I remember reading this suggestion and like initially getting scared because I was like, ooh. It's intense. It's, it's intense. It's, it's like a subject that you not, like I wasn't sure... I had to, like, reflect on my life and the people that I knew and see, you know, it it was very, like, personal for me, too. Yeah. I guess as an outsider looking in, I'd always sort of felt that, but never had words to put to it and definitely didn't have the research to back it up. Right. And it's not like like something, it's not like a conversation or a subject matter that you are going to be talking amongst your friends and your family. Oh, yeah. So what should we talk about? Let's talk about the white worship in the Asian community. Like, that would never be something that would just happen. And let's be real. Our history books do not touch on subjects oh, like this at all. We yeah. barely touch on colonialism in Asian countries yeah. and our American history Western history books. Tell me about it. Those they history just, books. They just want us to learn about what they want to write and right. not really what happened. Right. I've got my own gripes with yeah. the history books that we have here right. and we teach our kids. That would be a good episode. That itself. would be because it's definitely a repeatedly uh, whitening and and going easy on white Americans throughout our yeah it's kind of like brain, it's like brainwashing a little. a little bit yeah a little bit a little bit but we're here to not brainwash you guys we're going to give you guys some facts um, 
I think let's start with the colonialism uh, part of white worship, white if you will. Which essentially is the historical component of this particular subject matter. Right. So Asia as a whole faced a, a lot of not necessarily just colonialism, but nationalism uh, for decades. From mm-hmm. the 1800s and before, I would mm-hmm. say, correct? Mm-hmm. From British And it's a very storied, long history, which I won't bog you down with a ton of details. But, uh, sorry, I'm like looking through my notes here to find just the general overview of of nationalism and colonialism. So just to give you a brief background, during the 1500s and 1600s, the Europeans were able to take control of the international trade of Asia, thereby diverting the profits from this trade to Europe. As a result, the Europeans became stronger while Asian empires and kingdoms became weaker. By the 1800s, the Europeans were in a position to establish their authority over Asia, particularly the Indian subcontinent and Southeast Asia. So colonialism happened uh, in six countries, Portugal, Spain, the Netherlands, Great Britain, France, and the United States, and they had colonies in Southeast Asia. So the Portuguese had the least impact on Southeast Asia. Spain ruled the Philippines from its conquest of Cebu in 1565 and Manila in 1571 until its defeat in the Spanish-American War in 1898. Dutch colonialism falls into two periods. The first, that of the VOC or or Dutch East India Company, lasting from 1605 to 1799. The VOC had little interest in territorial administration. Its primary concern was to maximize profits through trading monopolies. Mm. So you've got Great Britain. They They were were in Taiwan for a while, too, the Dutch. I learned that during my trip this time around. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 1800s or 1600s, something like that. I know those are like 200 years apart, but I'm in the hundreds. (laughs) (laughs) Then you've got Great Britain. Uh, The British conquered Burma, fighting Mm. three Anglo-Burmese wars in 1824 to 26, 1852, and 1885 to 1886. Mm. And unlike other colonies which maintained their ethnic identity, Burma was a province of British India. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, The British, Hong Kong, all those areas. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Then you had France. France moved into Vietnam in 1858. Yep, hence why there's a lot of French, Vietnamese. Yeah, a lot of French influence in in Vietnam. Definitely. Capturing Saigon in 1859. Using the South, then called the Cochin China, as a base, the French moved west and north, completing the conquest of Indochina by 1907. Wow. And Indochina... Indochina. Indochina. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Indochina, the five territories under French authority. Cochin, China? Am I pronouncing Uh that right? I hope so. Anam, Tonging, Laos, and Cambodia. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect, absolute perfect sense. Why? Then you've got the U.S. The U.S. moved into the Philippines as a result of the peace settlement with Spain in 1898. Mm, The Filipinos speak really good English. Exactly. The Filipinos were granted a Commonwealth government in 1935 and their independence in 1946. Mm. And then Thailand continued to be independent. It was the only Southeast Asian state to remain independent during the colonial period. Wow. All that said, that's just in Southeast Asia. That's That's a taste. Yeah, that's tiny. Of the colonialism that Asian fa- that Asia faced, just a right. taste of it. Right, right, right. But 
the impact I think is still felt today. Absolutely. With colonialism also comes nationalism. Yes. And some would say comes that with that came the brainwashing of Asian countries to do things the European way or the Western way. And to see that that is the best way. Exactly. Right, right, right. Right. So that you've already, we already have sort of laid the foundation. Yeah. For why Asian Asians slash Asian Americans? Yeah. Question mark? Right. I mean, I think there is other stuff that has influenced a lot of Asians in modern day world. Yeah. You know? I would agree with that. Um, combining that with the colonialism. So it, it it's very fascinating to think about how the history sort of laid the foundation, like you just said, and then moving forward, you know, as we've got more modern, as, you know, media, music, all of that um, kind of led the way to, to Asians kind of seeing white people as sort of better or higher higher I mean granted you know I think also too because when you think of when Asians think and I'm not saying just me but when when they do think of it think of white people I think white people or Europeans are associated with royalty with money with power with privilege with you know the sort of regalness about them that they that from from the history right you know and a lot of that's because they came in and asserted their dominance over these countries. Yes. And when you assert dominance, you essentially say, I am dominant, my religion is dominant, the way that I live my life is dominant, yeah. and the way that your culture functions is totally yeah. subservient. Right, and about, you know, you know, war had a huge effect on that. War meaning, you yeah. know, people, French, there's a lot of French, Vietnamese, like half French, half Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot, I mean, in, in, in the Philippines, Tagalog English is spoken like, Normal, but like, like in a sentence, you'll have like four words that are in Tagalog, and then you have like three words that are in English. I didn't know that, and that's just normal, you know. So they'll be talking. It's like you and I speaking English, and then we go ahead and instead of using the word for whatever in English, I use it for the you know another language to speak it, and it's just it's normal. It's like broken up, and it's totally fine, and that's just how it is. Wow, you know, if you go to Hong Kong, you're fine if you speak English, you know. Malay, Singapore, like all those, all those places, they, Malaysians, they speak really good English because they have it in their, in their, in their country It's already. deeply embedded in there. Yeah, because of colonized. that. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. So Learned cool. Every day. I know, right? So is it cool or is it sad? I know, right? I think maybe it could be cool now because if you want to be more worldly, then you have the benefits of that. But back then, I don't. Oh, fuck that shit. No, I don't think it was cool. Yeah, no, I don't think it was cool Yeah, like, hey, hi, was... we're going to just take your land and let's fight, you know? Right. I think, <sighs> exactly, there was a lot of indoctrinization that was also happening at yeah. that time. Trevor Noah has a real, he's a, a half, he's South African, but he's half black and half white. Oh. And he was born, like, during the apartheid, so he, like, struggled. Oh. He should, yeah, he has a great stand-up on, like, colonialism and, like, how the British just landed in India. And we're like, boop, boop, we're taking over. <laughs> like, his, his, he has this little bit is great. I should send it to you. It's pretty, it, it puts things in perspective. Got it. Yeah. So all of that said, colonialism really fucked up Asia. And I think also fucked with the minds of the people, of the Asian natives that were there and had to live through it. Mm. Because I do believe that the Westerners and the, the Europeans, uh, while they came in and asserted dominance, their systems, which were instilled... Uh, with governance, legislature, education, and culture as a superior way of living, they were also discriminating against the people that were there. So they were they were holding themselves to a high esteem, but simultaneously putting 
the Asians that were living in Southeast Asia or Asia as yeah. a whole down. Yeah, like putting them to work, putting them to do the heavier lifting. For sure. Yeah, all that stuff. But also, like, making them feel inferior. Like, right. completely inferior in yeah. their own land. It's so fucked up. It is. But that's, I mean, that's, that's history. <sighs> I think we also can't forget about white sexual imperialism uh-huh. if we are on this topic, which I think really more pertains to just Asian women. When I talk about white sexual imperialism, uh, there's a, the best example that I can find was in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, mm. the, 19, the 1987 film about the Vietnam War. Yes. With that famous line, me love you long time, yeah. which I think people in our generation who maybe haven't seen the, the film might just think that that's a cute Asian girl essentially saying, I love you right. to uh, American GI soldiers that were stationed in Vietnam. But in reality, that woman was propositioning herself to Asian soldiers. Yes. And you see a lot of this. And I feel like this has also impacted perhaps the way that Asian women view Caucasian men. Oh, absolutely. Lee, right. 100%. No doubt, girl. <laughs> so the first major American white sexual imperialism occurred during the Philippine-American War, 1899 to 1902. So the Filipinos fought from being colonized, go Filipinos, by the U.S., but 250,000 lives were lost. <sighs> However, while the actual war only lasted three years, there were insurrections and rebellions along the way that kept a large number, a large number of American soldiers stationed on the shore for more than a decade. So for more than a decade, these white soldiers were essentially stationed in the Philippines. Right. And Filipino women were essentially given to these white American men as like comfort women. Right, 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 right. Since they were at war, I I guess the Filipino government took it upon themselves to say, we'll make this easier on you guys. Yeah. You can have sex with our Filipino women. Right, right. And while the soldiers tired of wreaking havoc on the land, the same imperialistic mentality to conquer shifted to the local Filipino women, who they referred to as, quote, little brown fucking machines powered by rice. Oh, my God. Right. And Filipino women were viewed as subservient and subordinate. So this is where we get the beginnings of that view of Asian women Mm. as docile and demure. Mm. This is one of many examples. And we could go into the Japanese comfort women. absolutely. But um, I just wanted to, to mention white sexual imperialism very briefly in this episode because I think that if this is a feminist driven podcast, we can't deny that something like this has had a lasting impression on the way that Asian women view white men, even up until today, where I think people are sort of like, well, I don't understand why do, how come Asian women just love white guys? I don't get it. Like what's with all the white fever. And like, you've got to look back at the history. Yeah. And this is definitely a part of that history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, I think the evolution of that, that sort of, programming you know right has lasted through generations and in movies and in media and in books and in history and in art and all this stuff that that continues to um you know be very obvious for sure and i think there's there's in movies like that specifically there's this idea of like the white man will set you free Oh, definitely. Like, link up with a white guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll marry up. Right. And he'll he'll take you back yes, to... where you'll be free. And, I right. mean, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I know a ton of stories of Asian women marrying white men and coming to America and having a better life. Life. 
Right. So it's 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 very there is truth to that, but I think that how women Asian women are viewed and how there is that sort of, you know, constant white fever from that era is 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 important to look at because it says a lot of things. Yeah, I also you know? don't think it's right to be like, "Ooh, Asian women, they just want to marry white guys to marry up." Yeah. Like let's be clear. Right. The word higher gammy is the word for that, and that's a human thing. That's Definitely. not just yeah. That's Asian not just white. an Asian woman so, to mean, a black, white there's man. There's black and white. Definitely. All the time, too, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, well, I think it's a human thing to if you to want to marry up. Right. Do you know what I mean? To like evolve the, to do better. Because think about it. To if you, do better. If you suffered and you watched your brother get shot, you probably don't want that for your kids. Definitely. You know what I mean? So anything is going to, that, that human drive to survive and to succeed is going to find a way, whether it is unconscious or conscious, to be with someone that's going to create a better life for your children or a better life for yourself, period. Yeah. You know? And I think that so, is pervasive among all yeah. nationalities and all genders. Yes. I don't think that's just an Asian female thing. Right. I know I, I already said that. I just have to keep saying that. I know. That. No, thank you. Because I think it's fucked it. up that yeah. that is a mark that Asian women get when, trust me, white women can be just as guilty of that too. Right. Definitely. I completely agree. That's just a very small smattering of the history of how... Westerners and Europeans infiltrated Asia and asserted dominance, mm-hmm. and now we're still dealing with those repercussions and effects. Yes, I completely agree. Though I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the the generations that feel the uh, the idea that whiter is writer is mostly an older generation. Yes. I th- I think that was my first thing going, one of my first thoughts going into this. It's a very much older generation sort of post-war, yeah. you know, because of what they went through mm-hmm. and because of such, such traumatic events and and hard life that they lived. Um, yeah, I've heard my some of my current Asian friends' moms say that they wish their daughter would marry a white guy. Um, Explicitly and, like that, or is it maybe more veiled? Like, think of your children. Yes. Okay, so it's like that. Specifically for your children. Got because it. Because if your children is half white and half Asian, then they already have an upper hand in society mm. because they have some sort of half white, which would help them get by in other areas of right. the country and other areas of life, which I don't know how true that is. See, I don't, I, I would, I don't think that that's very true. Right. I think that that is a a glorified thought to have. Right. But we've said on this show before, like, look, if you look a little bit ethnic, you're ethnic in the United States. Yeah, it don't matter. It 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 doesn't doesn't matter. I mean, and it really depends, to be honest, because y'all know that I wanted to have a baby yesterday. Of course. I'm going to say this on every episode. I think we hear that every episode. (laughs) And we hear about your love of Oprah every episode. Right. Um, It really also depends a lot on your parenting. Because I know a ton of half-white, half-Asian kids that, like, don't know much about culture and aren't... Do you know what I mean? Like, the parenting has a lot to do with that. And see, I would wonder those people... Because I have a friend like that. She's not a child. She's 30-something, and I have to be careful because I know she listens to this show. Is that a parenting thing? Or is that a, I am making the concerted effort to appear as white and American as possible. Thus, Mm. I try... I do my best to not speak and pick up the language. Right. 
I dye my hair blonde, as in the case of my friend who was like platinum blonde. Right. And a heavy smoker. Wait, but meaning like I want to be as American as possible? Meaning I want to be as American and for her that means white as possible. Right. I guess my point is saying like if you are wanting to marry or somehow, you know, evolve in status by associating yourself with a white person, whether it is your half white or it is your marrying or whatever, it doesn't really have to do with your ethnicity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it does. It really, it really, it really, if you're well educated, if mm-hmm. you know how to speak, if you learn different languages, if you travel, if you're well cultured, you'll get by in other countries. It doesn't matter if you're half white or half Asian. True. Because they'll get you, they'll understand you. Right. You know, so I think this whole notion of, of you know marrying or being so to elevate in society isn't really something as tangible or as real or as felt as before really yes because i think those people are coming from an era of post-war okay where where most of the generation now hasn't ever experienced that so their drive to necessarily marry white or or worship white isn't necessarily maybe coming from the drive of like post war right. because I had such a horrible life. I see you what know you're what saying. I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. that it, it, it's evolved into something. It's still there, but I think it has evolved. And I think this notion of like older Asian generation women wanting their daughters to marry white men isn't necessarily something that is so true today like you can't like that can't be something that you know what I mean like what am I trying to say here? I, I think I understand what you're saying I'm just saying like that notion is going to die off eventually like it's going to not be something as re- relevant but as relevant relevant um. yes <laughs> Jesus but won't that notion still persist as long as you've got the older generations pushing their sons and daughters to marry white? Yes, but what I'm saying is that generation comes from a post-war generation right. that either immigrated to America mm-hmm. or wants to get their child out of that country and into United States. Got it. Because that happens a lot with Asia. With Asia, is that a lot of kids will study abroad? Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So then it's like study abroad and visa and documentation. So just marry a white guy, like all this stuff. So. Okay, but we're talking about Asians in Asia. Yes, Asians in Asia wanting that to be something real. But I think that with how the world is evolving and how China is becoming such a big power, Mm -hmm. they will not see that as something so, like, they won't see something as the U.S. being something they need to go and be and do and marry. Does that make sense? It does. Right. It does. Now, my question, my retort to you is, okay, so we're talking about Asians in Asia. What about American Asians? What that, about yeah, Asians in America? I, either one of those two groups where, similar to black people, I think if you are fairer skinned and you are somehow attached to a white person, perhaps you get a little bit of that white privilege yes. because of the way that you look. Mm. Versus if, let's say, if it's a, a beautiful, lighter-skinned Asian woman who is married to a just-as-handsome Asian guy. Yeah. But you're not going to receive the white privilege benefits. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? No, it absolutely does. And it makes me wonder, like, how true is that? Like, is that something? Because I've never experienced something like that. I've, but I feel like I've witnessed that. Okay. I'm like, okay, I think I see what's going on here. Uh-huh. But again, like, I'm not an Asian woman. Yeah. I'm a, a black woman who dates a white guy. Right. So I'm speaking from the perspective of, like, I've definitely walked into super white establishments with my white boyfriend yeah. and felt 
the byproduct of white privilege ah. just because of the guy that I'm attached to. And That's I wonder so if that if that is still true for Asian American women today, regardless of what generation they were in. And is yeah. that and is that a motivator to marry white? Subconsciously? Subconsciously. Yes. I yeah. I think I think you you I think you're right about that. Um Second generation or third generation Asian American that have been here for a while, I don't think it matters to them. Okay. I don't think they care because they see themselves as American. Got it. I right? see what you're saying. Versus yeah. like I constantly talk about my battle between, you know, being being the first generation here and having a lot of immigrant views and values mm-hmm. because I'm so close to my mother right. that I, I see, like, I live my life seeing those two. Like, you you live your life seeing right. the, the black and the white, exactly. right? And I see myself also with that same end of seeing, uh, you know, an immigrant and then seeing an Asian American and then what it's like to be in between, what it feels like to be in between, being torn between the countries and the cultures and feeling too American or not Asian enough, all right. that stuff, right? Which is also another thing to touch upon about feeling, not wanting to be Asian and then wanting to be white. And Go that, for it. Talk about it. That in itself that leads me to a segue of a lot of Asian kids including myself my brother growing up we go, we went through a couple of traumatic experiences where we didn't want to be Asian mm-hmm. right where we wanted to be white or we wanted to be anything but Asian right in my brother's case he told me he wanted to like go after the non-Asian girls and they wouldn't they wouldn't go after him because he was white or Asian so he wanted to be white so he could get the non-Asian girls got it anyways he's he's dating an Asian girl and they're beautiful and they're practically married so hi Denise yeah, exactly <laughs> hey Denise um, so then that makes me think for me I have uh, not a very good relationship with my father okay. which that I already kind of view Asian men as maybe not something that I gravitate towards ah interesting okay and then me partly having a really traumatic experience from going to Arcadia to Orange County which was like super Asian to super white Mm -hmm. then I felt wrong being Asian so then I wanted to be white right and then I realized how fucking cool it is to be Asian so that in of itself I think a lot of either first generation Asian Americans go through or even Asian American in general depending on where you grew up whether you're first or second or third or fourth generation um, that may lead you to end up with someone marrying or your partner who is white interesting I see the point you're making. Yeah. Okay. I think all the points that you made are 100% correct. I think I want to pull us back a little bit. Yeah, sorry. I went a little far out there. No, no, no. No, but I think it was a a necessary thing to say. It all contributes to this sort of white worship. Right. Where it it came from some sort of post-war or still can be depending if you are in Asia. Mm -hmm. But how it's translated into America and then the first, the second, third generations that are pretty much American and feel very American. Right. You know, may, right. may still look like white worship to the outside community like you and I, but to them it may not necessarily feel like white community right. or white Ex- worship because they feel white. Exactly. I think also a byproduct of this colonialism is Westerners and European countries brainwashed Asia to depend on them. Mm-hmm. Whether... Asia needed to depend on them or not because let's be real like Asia is no longer a poor country right for them I mean there are obviously gaps I mean, there's in a wealth. lot of still like parts and bits and pieces China you could say and Taiwan what about Japan and v- Japan first world Japan uh, Vietnam Thailand all those little Middle East uh, Malaysia Singapore for sure first world but mm-hmm. but you know there's still a lot of anyways yes 
I think part of the brain, I think part of the brainwashing is like you need, like you Asia need to depend on us European yeah, and right. Western countries, right. which I think has sort of fallen by the wayside a little bit yeah. as time has gone on. And I would just touch upon one tiny thing that really might affect this because firsthand experience from my mother was the artistic side of America. Because America oh, say more. was very open and willing to sort of explore the film aspect mm-hmm. and the kissing and the showing and the touching and the stories and the singing and the musicals, which I think in Asia was very closed off or you didn't have access to that when you were young. They weren't putting on stuff like that on television. Like Americans were already in the 1940s and 50s. Right. They weren't making movies about love or not that I know of. Or I know my mom would sit and watch American television Mm -hmm. when she was in Taiwan growing up. And that's why she wanted to come to the United States. Because America, and and which I understand, American TV stars and movie stars epitomized standards of beauty, epitomized fashion. Completely. I mean, you see a lot of like shows being like The Voice and American Idol and then all of a sudden China has their version of that. Right. You know? So that that is something that happened for a while but I finally think like certain Chinese people in China are starting to create their own shows. The R- yeah. the R&B and hip hop scene is finally starting to be a thing in China. Right. Whereas for so long it was only America that was kind of leading right. the way. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this episode is very interesting for us to talk about right now because I do see things that are changing. Mm-hmm. And so this episode is very like there's a it's like Asian white white worship in the Asian community dot 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 for now like you right know, like, no yeah no you're right and I think that's of, the title right. of this episode thank you for giving it to me you're welcome no I think you're right and like and and media definitely has heavily influenced Asian Asians mm-hmm. and Asian Americans in terms of those that have come from Asia and have settled yes. here more more Asian more more American media has influenced Asia than I think Asian has influenced America you don't see us like. Well, we, I mean, as far as, like, Japanese, like, horror films and anime, like, stuff like that is happening more now because mm-hmm. Hollywood's falling apart, which is also great in that aspect. Um, but you you see more of, I feel like, I, I can't be certain on this because I'm not in Asia. I feel like there's more Asians recreating and re-sort re, re of remaking American ideas and American shows versus us making Asian shows and, you know, True. all that stuff. Definitely. And I think the American standards of beauty were really held tightly in Asia. Yeah. I mean, all the eyelid surgeries. Right. Right. Definitely. The blonde hair, the blue contacts. The bigger boobs, the bigger jaw lines, wider, bigger eyes. Like that is for sure. Yeah thing those are for sure beauty standards right. that asian countries have held very yes. very still to strong. this day especially the like korean like the plastic surgery area is like you know small eyes aren't pretty they just aren't that's objective i know but well, like that's I, what i mean like to, that's yeah. there do you know what i mean for sure like i have small eyes and it took me a while to just be okay with them but oh I see you know what, what i'm saying, saying? like yeah to them, like this is not pretty bigger wider bluer whatever just bigger in general is prettier like that's just what they believe in. Or whites, the white skin color itself mm-hmm. is viewed to be more desirable and more aesthetically pleasing. Yes, for sure. So much so that you've seen Asians not like being in the sun all covered with umbrellas. Right. Like, or skin know? lightening creams yeah. are big business over in Asia. Big. Huge money. Big. I went to Thailand and these girls put this like white stuff on their face and it's just, it's bizarre because mm-hmm. Thailand, Thai girls are dark. They are. And. Aren't Malays too? 
They can be. Okay. Yeah. Not all of them, but there are there there are. Um, and because there's so much mix between like India and like there's a lot of marrying within, uh, so the okay. kids still end up. You have a lighter Got it. girl marrying a darker Indian man. Their kids may come out lighter or darker. There's a lot of that. I understand. Um, I stand corrected, and I yeah. understand. Um, but yeah, that white skin. The white skin tone thing is really weird to me. Well, I guess because once upon a time, white skin equaled elite. You weren't yes. an outdoor worker. You didn't yes. have to work super hard. No. You weren't a laborer. Mm-mm. You stayed inside. You probably lived in a wonderful home. Mm-hmm. Maybe you came into money. Maybe your family had money. Or maybe mm-hmm. you invested wisely. But yeah. like white equals elite. And yes. that was definitely one of those indoctrinated mm-hmm beliefs that was pressed upon Asia when Westerners, white people, Europeans took over. We talked about this in our colorism episode. We did. You know, of how even within its own community can affect this sort of white worshiping because you see white as better. For sure. Definitely. Um, And I think, as you said, the plastic surgery field is huge. huge. But I think for so long, wealth equaled white people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. Like if you have the money, you are white. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the money, you chase the white, whatever that mm-hmm. might mean to you. I never thought about that. Like if you don't have the money, then you chase the white or you want to do the white things or the, you know, whatever that that may be. Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely have a friend that like chases all things white. She's dyed her hair platinum blonde. She's a heavy smoker. She loves country music and folk and loves baseball. Like, all very stereotypically white. My face white. as you're saying all this. Well, it's all very, A, it's very forced. But yeah. B, it's all very stereotypical of what a white person enjoys, looks like, does, mm-hmm. listens to, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to this friend of mine just sort of, like, being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know Definitely. what I mean? Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in in what you just said you know it's and that's super unfortunate it is and it's a lot of people a ton of people who don't realize I, i guess here's another aspect that we could touch on within this white worship is you may not even know you're white worshiping if you're unconscious in it. Ooh, that's like, a really good thing. Like yeah, that's what you that's what you just said. Mm-hmm. Pretty much in, in your example. Pretty much, which then makes me think about myself. <laughs> well, I think that. Well, no, I don't think there's a right or wrong in this no, because I just think that to it's self reflect. But it's also like been deeply ingrained in yeah. generations of. Asian people yeah. throughout hundreds of thousands of years yeah. of history. I mean, I that sort of wiring is really difficult to dismantle. Yeah, I see it. I see it in my mom. And the yeah. first step is like you have to own, like you can't acknowledge that it's not going on. Right, right. Do you know right, what I mean? Right. And that is almost the harder step. Yeah. It's this idea of like if you want to change it, you got to have that talk with yourself to own that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Crazy. I just got like this little like... Aha moment, as Oprah would call it. Tell me. Tell me about the aha moment. I want to know. And I bet our fans do, too. The aha moment is just like while you're in mid-conversation or, you know, she interviews a lot of people, you have this moment in your own brain where it's like, aha. Yeah. I never knew about this or I knew that I knew about it and I didn't know that I know about it and now I do. And it's like just... Pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, we are not the only ones that feel like this. Our viewer is not the only one that feels like this. Uh, There is an Asian male writer. His name is Yondan Latu. 
And he also feels like if we want to get over this white worship, we have to own it first. He says in in an article, he says, as ludicrous as it may sound, almost two decades after Hong Kong's return to Chinese rule, local talent is often sidelined for high flyers from the West because, quote, it's good to have a white face. Mm. I'm not kidding. That's a direct quote that Uh, he's heard. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Or in yet another manifestation of local colonial mentality, former Chief Justice Andrew Lee Kuang Nang recently insisted that Hong Kong's court of final appeal must always have overseas judges in keeping with old time traditions from Britain, Australia and New Zealand. Our local judges are not good enough on their own, apparently, and Caucasian faces somehow add more credibility to the bench. Mm hmm. That whole credibility thing is just twisted as hell. Right. Yeah. So where do we go from here? How do we get over this? I mean, you said it perfectly where, well, I touched on it a little bit where this is changing. It yeah. really is. And Trump's not helping or nope. maybe Trump is helping. See, um, I think he, I think he's yeah. helping to push exactly. people the other way. Right. That's what I meant. Um, so I don't want to get political, but. I think this is changing. I think people are being open, more open-minded. I think this whole LGBTQTVXYZ LGBTQ uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> is also helping because people aren't seeing race or gender mm-hmm. or maybe color anymore. They're just seeing the human and right. what they stand for, like you said. Um, it's It's such a good way. You had a perfect example of just how to... Just be. Just be, yeah. And look at yourself and see that, like, I want to think about, like, the th- the people I follow on Instagram and the music I listen to and the stuff that I do. Is that, you know, is that towards something, towards my essence mm-hmm. of who I really am and what I stand for? Right. Or is it because society has taught me a certain thing or my mother has taught me certain things or media has taught me certain things that i feel like that is what it should be when it when what it should be is what i want it to be yeah and i think that a generation z i believe that's a generation yeah, below is. us i think that they're actually really leading the helm yeah. on that because for them authenticity is one of their it's I, easy driving defining yeah. attributes yeah i mean you see it on talent shows definitely those i mean rupaul's drag race like, talk about just really things starting to change and take shape and mold and to really, you know, send the message of love mm-hmm. and of being true to who you are and just being who you are unapologetically. Yeah. And let's get over this whole idea of, like, whiter is writer. Because, oh, like, yeah. we have a fool in office right now. And none of what he does, in my opinion, is correct. None. Nothing. So... I would say let go of whiter is writer and just do you. Like, yeah. like let you right. be your true north, and, as I said. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's a great way, but your true north. Um, but I think you're right. I think the fool in office is actually helping pave the way to see that, you know, not necessarily saying that America is so this and that, that we are a country of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes America so great. Yeah, it's for sure. It's, it's not... It's why, like, they can't say they run this place. Yeah, I think we have to stop and remember that this country was built on the backs of immigrants. Exactly. And that's why we're so great. Definitely. (laughs) For sure. And we can't negate that to want to praise the white man. That makes no fucking sense. No, not anymore. Not anymore. But I think, like I said before, step one, you've got to acknowledge that this sort of thinking is happening yeah. in order to actually dismantle it. Totally. I completely agree. But the greatest, the great thing about 
about that, even though it's difficult to sort of call yourself out and acknowledge it, is that no one else has to know. Right. Like, you don't have to have this conversation with it's someone just else. With, with you and you. Exactly. And getting in touch. Because, I mean, this happens to everyone. But getting in touch, more in touch with yourself and finding out your authenticity and your essence is only going to benefit in every other single area of your life. Yeah. So... Go hop on that journey. We're on that journey. We're figuring it out day by day with you guys. I'm not an expert in this. We just like talking to each other Mm -hmm. because I love this girl. (laughs) But my girl, Jay. You know, we're with you in this. And if you have any questions, any comments, any concerns. Any show topic ideas. Yeah, we'd love show topic ideas as well. Um, Find us on the gram, Black and Yellow Podcast. Exactly. Um, And... I'm on the gram as Jacqueline Chung Young. I am Alana Webster on the gram at Renegade of Fun. We have actually um, some exciting stuff coming your way. We do. Um, so keep in tune for that. Yeah. We're, yeah. It's all still coming together, it so we is. can't talk about it too much, but it's we some exciting ideas. stuff on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced at Christian Humes over at, by Christian Humes over at Zeitheist. Again, I am Alana Webster. I'm Jacqueline Chung Young. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.